Here at Life Tree Community Church, we like to say anything's possible. The greatest challenge for us in all the world is to be made right with our holy God. Jesus actually said it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for us to be made right with God. We don't have what it takes, but God does. And if God can make things right between us, there's nothing he can't do. With God, anything is possible. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Uh, in the soft cover Bibles that are in the pews there, it'll be page 54, um, Exodus chapter 13. And uh, as you're doing that, just want to let you know that our family just got back yesterday from vacation. So I'm like really, really calm right now. So like I may preach for a while, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. Um, we had lots of sand and sun and ice cream and more ice cream and more ice cream. Not as many donuts this year. It just didn't work. We did do donuts, only about a couple dozen, I think. But it was, um, I did do funnel cake. Um, that's how I measure our vacation. You can ask Anna. Her brother was there with about 25, 20 of us in the house. Um, it's a big family and uh, thing. And every day we had food goals. So he'd, it'd be like, you know, eight, eight, nine in the morning and Nate would come in and go, okay, Dan, what are the food goals for today? And the food goals would be, okay, we want ice cream from here. We want funnel cakes from here. We need fried Oreos from here, you know, and we, I would, I would say we, we accomplished about 90% of our food goals. We didn't get them all, but they got the banana whips. If you haven't had banana whips, you gotta figure out what those are. All sorts of good stuff. So I ate good on vacation. I don't really know how everybody else did, but I had a good time. Um, but grateful for a time to refresh and renew with our family. It was a lot of fun and uh, good to be back. Good to be back and ready to talk about Moses. So we've been doing a series on Moses called Love Lifted Me. And uh, yeah, that was, our, that was our family right on the beach there. It was great. Um, so now we're doing a series uh, called Love Lifted Me about Moses. Um, and God, uh, in the beginning, just to kind of catch you up to where we are today, God made a promise to Abraham, who was a guy... Just a guy. And God made a promise and said, hey, Abraham, I want to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to bless the world through you. It's a pretty big promise to this guy named Abraham. Um, the interesting thing about it is that Abraham had no kids. <laughs> so God said, I'm going to, going to bless the world through you. And Abraham's like, all right, let's see that. Um, and if you know the story, at about 100 years old, miraculously, Abraham and his wife had a, a child named Isaac. Right? Isaac was this child of promise. It was incredible. And then Isaac had two, um, two kids, Jacob and Esau. Esau was red and hairy. Um, <laughs> and uh, Jacob uh, was a, uh, a weasel um, and a, just one of those younger brothers who was, you know, always causing problems. Um, eventually, his name gets changed to Israel. Um, so that's where we get Israel from. Jacob's name became Israel because he finally grew up and encountered God and God changed his life. Well, Jacob or Israel grows up and he has 12 sons. Of his 12 sons, they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, one of those sons was Joseph. Uh, Joseph, Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? Coat of many colors. So we know the story of Joseph. Joseph gets sold by his brothers because they can't stand him because he's precocious and he's a know-it-all. And so they like they sell him to a bunch of just slave traders, he ends up, long story, he ends up in jail, in prison in Egypt. And through a series of really crazy events, God actually 
releases Joseph from prison and he gets promoted to second in command. And Joseph, in, in all of Egypt, he becomes powerful and God redeems his story and he brings the family there and saves them from famine. It's this great story um, and it's awesome. So that's how Joseph and the family get to Egypt. Now eventually... Um, Joseph dies because he gets old, and a new king, a new pharaoh, which is what they call him in Egypt, comes to power, who didn't know anything about Joseph, and he takes this family, which is now growing in number, it's just they keep multiplying, they're like rabbits, these Israelites, they keep multiplying, and he says, okay, we're going to put them, we're going to enslave them, it's free labor. So they enslave this, these people, who had originally come there for something good, right, they get enslaved, and uh, that's the context of this, this story. And eventually these Israelites, right, these children of, of Jacob, um, begin to threaten Egypt because of how many they are. And uh, so the, the Pharaoh at that time condemns all the boys to die. He says, listen, they're growing too much. We're going to condemn all the boys to die. And that's when Moses is born. So Moses is supposed to die, but amazingly God preserves him. And ironically, he's raised by the Pharaoh's daughter, the same Pharaoh that condemned them all to die. She ends up saving Moses. He's raised in the palace. Um, it's just amazing. God lifts him out of the Nile. He eventually tries to be a hero and rescue his people. This is like the, the Cliff's Notes version. Tries to be a hero, rescue his people. It doesn't go well. All right. So he, he gets caught being a murderer. He has to flee. He escapes to a desert for 40 years. God finds him and appears to him in a burning bush on some mountain named Sinai. I know I'm covering a lot of history here, but I'm, I'm getting to the story today. I'm just trying to give you some backstory. And Moses is lifted out of the desert. He's sent back to Egypt to lead the Israelites out of slavery and through a series of powerful acts. Now Pharaoh tells them to leave. And I want to thank Pastor Dre for preaching last week. I listened online uh, on the beach. I did. It was on the beach, but I did listen. And there was a great message. And if you missed it, he talked about how God used Moses' staff. It was a, an ordinary piece of wood that represented his failure as a shepherd um, to display the miraculous power of God. And in doing so, he reminds the people who they were, because 400 years of slavery can fog your memory, and uh, who he was. So this week we're going to pick up the story there. So God, so basically Moses now, after all this stuff, God makes this promise to Abraham. We follow it all along. 400 years later, the people that were promised, I'm going to make you a great, a great nation, they're in slavery in Egypt. And Moses, this kid who's supposed to be dead, is the one picked by God to lead them out through this just crazy thing and you're going man this is a this is a wild you can't make up this stuff you know the truth is stranger than fiction well this is this is the case we're going to pick up the story right there exodus chapter 13 verse 17 pharaoh has just let the israelites go because of all the plagues all this stuff that happened and here's what we pick up in verse 17 says this when pharaoh finally let the people go which is in itself a pretty incredible statement God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, to this land that God had set aside for this nation of Israel. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now think about this. Let's pause. They have been slaves for 400 years, and God is worried that they're going to go back. (laughs) How many of you want to run back into slavery? Right? Who... Who would, why would they do that? But let me ask you this. What do you know about 
domestic violence, right, and, and victims, right? They, they run back, right? It's, it's a pattern. It's a cycle. And after going to rehab, addicts typically run right back into the same situation that they were pulled out of. Why is it so hard to keep working out when you know what it's like to feel so unhealthy, right? We just run back to bad habits all the time. We go back into these bad patterns. And the reason, I think, is that we love the familiar. We feel comfortable there. Something in our brains makes us crave the familiar. We have comfort food, right? Comfort. Everybody has comfort food. I don't know what yours is, but you've got that comfort food. We've got comfort people, right? People that we run back to. We've got comfort habits that we run back to. There are even comfort places that we go back to. And as crazy as it seems, when it's somebody else, we would rather the familiar, even if it's harmful, than the unknown that might be better. We just crave the familiar because we fear the unknown. God has always known the reality of the human heart. He could hear them saying, I know we were slaves in Egypt, but at least we had a home. At least it was familiar. And he knew, he knew they'd want to go back. This temptation to go back is constantly going to be calling them. It's been said that it took a day for the Israelites to get out of Egypt. But it took generations for Egypt to get out of the Israelites. There's just something inside of us that wants to go back. So knowing their fragile state, the always wise God has a plan. Right? I'm not going to lead them straight through where they might get challenged, be tempted to go back. Verse 18, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. You know what a roundabout is? Right? Right? It's the scenic route, right? You go, you know, if you're driving on like 95, they've got beltways around, like these are roundabouts, right? If you're driving in New Jersey, we, we call them circles, right? We've got roundabouts. Um, the fastest way is always straight through. We know that. The fastest point, you know, is straight through. But has anybody ever tried to drive at the, I think it's the White Horse Circle? Dear God, what were those engineers thinking? Like, <laughs> you, know how to, you know how you're supposed to drive? Where's, where's Dad? My dad's here. This is my dad's advice to my sisters on how to drive through a circle in New Jersey. Because when you enter the circle, like, should I go or they go? Who has the right of way? Who yields to who? And he said, this is the solution to driving in New Jersey, okay? You put your four-way flashers on, okay? You roll down your window and you lean out a little bit, okay? You lean on your horn and you just go wherever you want. <laughs> That's the solution, okay? That's how you drive in a circle in New Jersey, <laughs> Um, do you ever feel like you're on a roundabout way? Like, I'm supposed to be just going from here to here, and I'm on this really wacky path, and I don't know why it's just not going straight. Why is this taking so long? This shouldn't be this hard. God, I'm following you, but can I ask God, why are we going this way? Right? Like, we see the fastest way to our promotion is from here to here, but God's got me going on a career path that's something like this, and I don't understand it. We see the best way to what we want is straight. And we say there's a better way to do this. But here's the thing. God knows what we can't see. So he leads us in roundabout ways. And if you are on a roundabout journey today, if you find yourself today, you're here and you're like, I'm on a roundabout journey. Congratulations. You are right where God needs you to be. Okay? God is watching out for you. Don't get frustrated. Can I tell you? Just thank him. If you're getting these detours and you're like, what's going on? Just thank God. He's protecting you from going back to Egypt. That's what he's doing. 
back to whatever you were that was infinitely less than where he's leading you. So this next part of the story is really cool. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. These are 400-year-old bones. These are really old bones. Like, I'm surprised that they're still bones, right? Like, they should be dust by now. 400-year-old bones. I love Joseph's faith. God is going to come through. This is not the end for you, right? Now, think about this. When Joseph died, everything was good in Egypt, People weren't in slavery. Joseph never knew slavery. He was second in command in Egypt. Every life was good. His family was blessed. And Israel wasn't fully a nation. They were just a really big family. Right? We thought, I thought we had a really big family. We had 25 people at the beach. Right? That's a big family. I was talking to somebody else there on the beach who I met who, from Robbinsville who was actually down there. And I, he was like, who are you here with? I'm like, 25. He's like, yeah, you think that's a lot? I was like, I did. I said, How many do you have? He's like, we have 100. I was like, What? He said, yeah, we've been doing this for like 40 years. It's like a hundred people. He's like, how many houses? He's like, ah, like six or seven. Oh my gosh. He's like, yeah, we kind of own this block of the beach. Like this is all of us. Like Israel was just sort of like a really big family when Joseph died. They weren't a nation. But Joseph saw a future where all that God had promised his great-grandfather Abraham was going to happen. He saw a family becoming a nation and God leading them out of Egypt to their own land. He knew this was going to happen. And he said, when that happens, take my bones with you. Oh, man. And on this day, on moving day, like the Israelites are dancing out of Egypt holding bones up. You know, I could see him like, you know, I got the head. You know, like, I don't know, they're carrying the bones. Verse 20, the Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Atham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar or cloud, pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. You imagine like, hey Moses, should we go right or left here? Uh, just follow the cloud. Just wherever the cloud's going, follow the cloud. Right? It's better than GPS. See, God always leads the way. Like we we just gloss over this, but like. Anybody else have a cloud that kind of hovers in front of you and just lets you know? Wouldn't it be awesome to actually have a cloud that told you where to go? Like, how many would sign up for that if God said, I'll just give you a cloud that just lets you know where to go into the promised land? Like, I would follow the cloud. Like, I mean, you can have a flaming cloud. It doesn't matter. But I would follow that. The reality is God always leads us. Don't always look like a cloud, but he is leading us. So, chapter 14 now. So the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by, I'm not going to say it, between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore from, I'm not going to say it. Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. So if you follow this on a map, God kind of tell, lead, the cloud leads them like this and, and leads them around. And then he has them go back. 
And where they went back to, this Migdal area, was actually a lookout station for, there were soldiers there. Egyptian soldiers, they would have seen, they would have observed the Israelites coming like this, going up into like a mountain range, so there's like nowhere for them to go. They have to turn around and come back. God says, I want you to have them go back, because that report that you're turning around is going to get back to Pharaoh. And he's going to think you're lost and you don't know where you are. And that's going to make him come chase you, because he's going to think that, you know, maybe I was foolish to do this. God instructed them, but in coming back, they're actually taking a position, they're trapping themselves, they're taking a position of weakness, because now there's nowhere else for them to go, right? They're turning back into, like, the teeth of the army, okay? And sometimes, God's going to ask you to do things that are counter to what you would do naturally. You're going to say, God, this is going to make me look stupid and weak, and God says, now you've got it. (laughs) You're like, no, did you... Did you understand? I, if I turn around, people are going to say, oh, you don't know what you're doing. And God's like, exactly. You're like, I don't understand, God, what you're doing. See, the power of God is best displayed when there is no doubt about it. When it couldn't be anything else but that. And the plan works. Verse 5, when word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away. They asked, oh, that free labor. What are we, idiots? So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot, called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, 600 chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people who had left with their fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses, chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near across from. Okay, so it says he called out the entire Egyptian army. This is the most powerful army known in the world at that time. Okay, imagine what that looks like chasing after you. This isn't like a couple of people. This is hordes and hordes of angry Egyptians because these Egyptians are the same men and, and, and soldiers whose children died because of those Israelites. If you, know this, if you remember the story of the Passover plague. Like these are the same, they experienced all those plagues. They are, they're not just chasing people, they are angry. At the, it's like angry bees, right? These are, they're, they are coming back angry. And there's nowhere to go. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, which is completely natural. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, you ready for this? Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? All right, the Monday morning quarterbacks, right? I knew we shouldn't have left in the first place. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than to be a corpse in the wilderness. And there it is. We want to what? Go back. God says, I'm not going to lead you that way because you're going to want to go back. So I'm going to lead you this way. And guess what they say? We want to go back. Fear distorts our perspective. You should have left us as slaves. Who says that? You should have left us as slaves. Moses, you've led us to a vulnerable place. And now the entire army of the most powerful nation on earth is bearing down on us. 
Why did you do this to us? What's wrong with you? Now, if I were Moses, I mean, how would you respond? I'm trying to rescue you. I didn't want to do this in the first place. God, God told me to do this. You all saw the miracles in Egypt just like I saw. You saw everything that happened. Right? No good deed goes unpunished. I'm trying to help you. Now you turn on me. Okay, fine. Go back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go. To, hey, surrender to the Egyptians. I'm sure they'll take it easy on you. I'm sure when you go back, they'll put you right back in your houses and give you food again, right? They're not going to make it ten times harder than it was. Hey, go back. But that's me because I'm compassionate. Now, Moses, <laughs> he says this. Moses tells the people, oh man, he says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Wow. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Entire Egyptian army attacking. We look like we're lost in the wilderness because we are lost in the wilderness. We're following a cloud and we don't know where it's going. And we're in unfamiliar territory. And now there's an army bearing down on us. There's nowhere to go. Mountains, water. We got no escape. We're in a very vulnerable position, Moses. And Moses says, you don't have to do anything. Just stand still and watch God work. Maybe you're here today and you wonder why God has led you where he has. Maybe today you've said to yourself, I was better off where I was. This whole faith thing, trying to follow God, has just made a mess of my life. My life wasn't perfect back then, but at least I knew what I had. I'd still rather be a slave to that old stuff than die here in this wilderness. There's an angry army behind me and a sea in front of me. My family and friends now hate me. I see no future in front of me. There is no going back, but I have no hope for going forward. If that's you today, if you are afraid or confused or maybe wondering why God ever messed up your life in the first place, can I just say something to you? Would everybody just close your eyes for a minute? Just close your eyes. Everybody just close your eyes for a minute. And would you just listen? I just want to say something. Don't be afraid. The pressure is not on you to fix this. Just stand still and watch God rescue you. The problems you see today will be wiped away. God himself is fighting for you. Just stay calm. Okay, you can open your eyes. Let's listen to how this played out. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Um, where? Pick up your staff, that same stick that just represented your 40 years of wilderness experience, and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Why didn't I think of that? I'm sure that's what Moses was thinking, right? I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will charge in after you. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, ready? All Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. That cloud that's in front now comes to the back. And the pillar of cloud also moved from the front 
and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps as darkness fell. I, want, I, I just wish I could have seen this. Like, don't you want to see this? As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. So imagine that night. The army is now here, but there's a cloud in front of them like a wall between them and the, 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 the hordes of angry army and really about a million Israelites. And there's just a cloud of wall in between them. And at night it turns to a, a wall of fire. Oh, man, I, I don't know if special effects, if anybody could get that right, but I would love to see him try. I want to say to you today, God stands between you and whatever it is you fear most. The enemy can't touch you. If we only had the benefit of divine sight, but there is a wall of fire between you and whatever you fear. If God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he who is in us than he who is against us. God's got you. Okay, and I love this. You ready? 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So there's a wall of fire between them. Moses raises his hand, and as the fire is there, this wind begins to blow turns the, the water parts, the seabed turns into dry land as that wind continues to dry it out. So the people of Israel walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Okay. Moses lifted his hand. The hand that held his shepherd's staff. This is the same hand that struck an Egyptian dead 40 years earlier. It's the same hand that cost him 40 years in obscurity. It's the same hand that now holds the staff of God. You know what happens when I lift my hand in front of the ocean? Nothing. <laughs> People think I'm waving, right? That's it. When God tells you to lift your hand to the sea in front of you, you know what you do? You lift your hand. God lifted Moses' hand and with it the water that stood in their way. Where they crossed, it's been estimated the water could have been anywhere up to 200 meters deep. So imagine, just imagine walls, 200 meters. I mean, just imagine walls of water as high as the ceiling. Now imagine it 200 meters high. Now, a great wind. I wish I could have heard what that wind sounded like. I mean, a great wind, like... I remember talking about creation, like the story of creation, and you get like a chapter on creation. I remember Nick in one of our groups saying, you know, like, it's a good description, but I mean, come on, the creation of the world. Like, I mean, it's good, but it says God spoke and there was light. Like, I'm sure there's a little more to it, right? Like, when it says a great wind, like, I'm sure that's a good, accurate description, but I mean, come on, a great wind, it split water in a sea, right? This past week at Ocean City with our family, at night, we'd go down to the boardwalk and we'd walk down to the water and just stand there. And you can't really see much, but you can hear the ocean. I'm just trying to imagine what kind of wind it would take to actually stop the water still and bend it back and sustain that. I can't imagine the force of wind necessary to stand up a sea, but I know that it wasn't quiet. That sound was the sound of heaven meeting earth. And it was the sound of God freeing his people. 
tell you, whatever you fear today, whatever impossible obstacle is in front of you, God has a solution. Lift your hand, Moses, and I'll lift the obstacle out of your way. It's hard to believe. We come to the conclusion of the story. It says, then all the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his charioteers, eventually the cloud goes away and they chase after it. Like, hey, look at this. There's a, there's a path through the water. Let's take it. Just before dawn, the Lord looked down the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. And he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, they said, away from these Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. And the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, just hours, 12 hours maybe, after he had raised his hands the first time, Moses raised his hand over the sea. And the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters, just think of the size of waves crashing back down, returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies. The Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So what today? So what? One, God is the great freedom giver. God wants you free. Free from whatever is keeping you from the promised land that he has for you. And the reality is that we live often in Egypt. We stay in the familiar that's enslaving us in bad habits and bad relationships and bad environments. And we stay there because it's familiar. See, fear holds us hostage in the familiar. Let me ask, what were you before God began to work in you? What is the familiar that you constantly consider going back to? What are those things that you just want to go back to? Because where we were was less than where we will be. Don't forget, we were enslaved by money, relationships, the approval of others, the rat race. We can be afraid of the unknown, of what life might look like if we keep walking this way. And perhaps there's something that stands in front of you right now that just seems impossible. You know, this is an easy one, right? If God has led you here and you're like, um, water, army, nowhere else to go. God, why did you lead me here? Can I tell you, you're right where you need to be. See, God may lead us to vulnerable and impossible situations and it's for our benefit. To him, they are simply opportunities to free us. What God has in front of you that you don't know about yet is infinitely better than what is behind you that you know inside out. We know too well the Egypts in our life, the destructive ways of living. Right? You know what it feels like to go back. The prisons you were in, the pain of selfish ways, the slavery of success in this world. You know what it felt like to go back and live that way. 
I'll tell you, wherever God is leading you, it may be in a roundabout way, but it's the way to freedom. Can I encourage you? Don't give up. The promised land is ahead of you and it's worth every single step. See, faith doesn't deny fear. Faith looks past fear. Lift your eyes to the cloud. I invite Anna just to come play as I close. Tell you, say this, remember the one that is for you. I love Psalm 121. It says this, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Your God is a wall of fire between you and whatever it is that you fear. Stand still today. Watch the master, our protector, our defender, our rescuer do what he does. Let me tell you, do whatever he tells you. If God says wait, you wait. If God says go, you go. If he says help, you help. If he says speak up, you speak up. If he says take a vulnerable position, trust that he will display his glory. If he says lift your hands, expect that the waters are going to stand up like walls. Because our God is a God of infinite power and he loves to lead his people to freedom. I'm telling you, just be obedient to God. Watch him work. The heart of God is to lift all of us out of slavery and into freedom. God used Moses, a slave boy who should have been drowned. He was a misguided murderer, a forgotten shepherd to fulfill a 400-year-old promise and give freedom to a nation of people. You want unlikely stories? That's an unlikely story. So here's the question today. Here's the question. Who might God want to use you to bring freedom to? Because the story is really the story of Moses. Because the people, the people couldn't see freedom. They kept wanting to go back to Egypt. Back to slavery. See, once you have a taste of freedom, you don't want to go back. But until you've tasted it, you don't know what's ahead. And we live in a world of people who have no idea the freedom that comes with a relationship with God. They don't understand. They don't know and they're afraid of it. Because they'd rather stay in what they know. Again, the question for you today. Who might God want to use you to bring freedom to? Will you be the one to give freedom to your family? Will you be the one to give freedom to your neighbors, to your coworkers? Will you be the one to give freedom to your teammates, to your friends, to your classmates? Will you be the one to say, God, I will walk wherever that cloud goes. I will lift my hand in front of water that I don't know what's going to happen. I will do things just because you tell me. I will be obedient because I trust that where you lead me always ends in freedom. See, God does all the work. We just need, we just need to do what he tells us. No matter how crazy it sounds. And stand back and watch him work. Our God is a freedom-giving God. I want to encourage you today. God wants to give freedom to you, to those around you, to our world. 
We read the news, right? Could our world use some help? There's a whole lot of mess going on in our world. A lot of broken mindsets. Hard to understand people sometimes. Hard to understand what people are doing, what they're thinking, if they have a brain. They're enslaved by this world. They're enslaved by the way that they think. And it leads to destruction. I'm telling you, God is a God of freedom and He brings truth. That's why it says the truth will set you free. I just want to close in prayer this morning. Would you, would you close your eyes with me as we pray today? And if, as we're about to pray, if, if today you've yet to personally experience that freedom of God, if you're here and you realize that you are in Egypt right now, you're enslaved by the pressures of this life, enslaved by destructive patterns of behavior, maybe you're afraid to leave the familiar, but you know you need to, if that's you today, and, and, and I want to encourage you, if, church, would you just pray now for those who are maybe inwardly weighing this at the moment? If that's you today, I have great news for you. God has called your name. And He is the way to freedom. And it's not just a little bit of freedom. It's complete freedom and total freedom. He wants to become that wall of fire between you and everything that keeps you from the freedom He has for you. And if you want the freedom of God today, it is all yours. Where you are right now, if this is you, I'm just going to pray a prayer and encourage you to pray this with me. Would you just say to God, if that's you today, would you just say to God right where you are, Dear God, I need freedom. Please free me. I understand That freedom only comes from you. Because only you can free me from those things that want to hurt me. I need you, Jesus. Come be the wall of fire that protects me. And be the cloud that leads me. And I commit today to learning how to keep my eyes on you how to follow you. God, I thank you. And if you prayed that today, I just want to celebrate with you. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, I prayed that prayer, I am free today. I just want to say, I I prayed that prayer today. I see those hands. God, we thank you today that you are still in the business of freeing people. God, you are better than we know. Would you equip and empower us to be like Moses and bring your freedom to our families, to our friends, to all those who need this freedom but can't see it from where they are. We are eager to watch you work. And we expect you to do even more than we can dream in this year of wonder. God, we invite you to just use us But help us just to simply follow you. 
Would we keep our eyes on you? We would be obedient and trust that whether we're walking a roundabout way through wilderness with armies chasing us, with obstacles in front of us, that God, you go before us, you are behind us, you are all around us, and we simply need to just follow the cloud. And you will lead us to that place of freedom. And as we go there, Lord, everybody who is following will find it as well. I thank you for your heart that is for us, for our good, for the good of all people on this earth. Would you do it today? In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.